Ephesians chapter 6. It's a, uh, just an awesome privilege for me to be with you all today, and so I'm thankful for this opportunity uh, to proclaim God's Word, as it is an awesome opportunity. I always like to start with fun stuff, but I do know this. As parents uh, and grandparents, we are proud of our kids, aren't we? I mean, our kids are the smartest, cutest, brightest kids of the whole bunch. At least that's how it usually works, right? And so some of you are like, no, not really. <laughs> anyway, so uh, there's a story of a guy from Texas, true story. A father in Texas had a five-year-old son. And one day on their way home after church, the son sitting in the back seat says, Dad, how do you spell God? And so, Dad, he's been taking him to son to church with him since he was a baby, since he was born. And so, you know, the whole family's been going, and man, he's just proud. He's like, great, my son, he's gonna, he's, it's taking root, you know what I'm saying? He's hearing it. Who knows, he may be the next Billy Graham, just going on and having all these great thoughts about his son. And he says, son, it's spelled G-O-D. And so he's just like, man, that's awesome. A couple seconds later, the son says, Dad, how do you spell Zilla? <laughs> so, uh, anyway... Uh, all right, how about this? I'll try that. I tried that one all three. It was kind of the same response. How about this one? Third service, right? Anyway, this true story again. A lady, she's a doctor, physician, and uh, well-known in her field and her realm. She has a little girl, and one day she sees her little girl, four or five years old, playing with her stethoscope, right? And so she says, honey, I mean, this, mom's just like, wow, maybe she's going to follow in my footsteps, be a physician as well, help people. And so she's already kind of planning her life out. She says, honey, do you know what to do with that stethoscope? And her little girl says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. She puts the part in her ears, and she grabs the mic. She says, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? <laughs> so anyway, we love our kids. We're proud of them. And if you're like me, you would do anything that you have to do to defend your child, child or children, wouldn't your grandchildren? You'd do whatever you got to do. If someone was coming after your family, dads, moms, you would lay down your life for your kids, wouldn't you? You love your kids. The fact of the matter is, is there is somebody coming after your family. It's just the fact that we can't see this enemy. But he's coming after your family to destroy this generation of people. And so that's the battle that we are in. And that's the battle that we're going to talk about today. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6. We'll start in verse 10. <clears throat> it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and, if, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, my words, may words be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I like this. Pray that I may declare it as fearlessly as I should. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the reading of the word. God, you are awesome and amazing and powerful and strong. And I thank you for this opportunity for us to be together, um, to worship you and to read your word. God, I pray you bless this time. May this word take root and bear fruit in our lives. Father, we're hungry and thirsty for you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, as I said, if there were someone coming after our family, we would pull all the stops, do whatever we got to do. We'd put on our fighting clothes, grab our weapons, and go and attack and defend. Well, there is someone, an enemy, coming after our family, but it's something that we can't see. It's a spiritual attack. And so I'm rallying the troops today to help all of us understand that there are attacks coming for our families, for our children, especially this generation. And we've got to go on the offensive. We have got to get in the battle. Well, if we're going to win this battle, there's three things we've got to understand. First off, we've got to understand or know who our enemy is. And our enemy at this point is Satan, the devil, if you want to call him that. A little bit of background about the enemy, and I don't really like talking about the enemy. I don't really like talking about Satan. A couple of reasons. First, um, I don't like to give him any attention. I don't want to highlight him at all um, because I don't like him. But secondly, whenever you talk about the enemy, he gets angry because we expose his ways. And guess what happens? He ramps up the attacks. And so I'm, uh, you know, concerned, or, you know, be so aware of the fact that the enemy may ramp up his attacks on us. But anyway, we need to understand who he is. He was created as an angel, very beautiful, powerful angel. Um, in Ezekiel 14, or 28 and Isaiah 14, uh, he's called Lucifer, whose name means son of the morning or shining star. Now get this, and I didn't know this the reason. He was originally created to guard the throne of God. Isn't that amazing? Satan, our arch nemesis, our enemy was designed, created to guard the throne of God. The problem is he got proud. He got pride and proud in it in and he wanted to be God. And so God kicked him out of heaven because of his own pride saying, I will be God. God kicked him out of heaven. He was condemned. In the process, he took a third of the angels with him and they became demons. We read about that in the book of Revelation. And so we see, not only is he a powerful angel who's been kicked out of heaven, he has a spiritual army. And that army is made up of the demons that left, that, were, that left with him whenever he left heaven. And this is an organized, structured army, by the way. We kind of see it here when it's talking about principalities, powers, rulers. They're listing off generals, colonels, majors, you know what I'm saying, different organizational structure. This is a very powerful enemy that we're fighting, and it's a spiritual army. But a couple of things we need to understand about the devil He is not like a little bit less than God kind of thing, right? He is not equal to God. He is just an angel. He's powerful, and he's clever, and he's smart, but he is just an angel. And what I mean by that is this. God is omnipresent. It's a big word. It means God is everywhere, right? God is everywhere, and he's, he's omniscient. It means he knows everything there is to know. He sees the past, the present, the future. He, he's, he's absolutely everywhere. The devil is not omnipresent. He's not omniscient, and he's not all-powerful. So he can't be everywhere at once. And so I know I talk about, you know, Satan's after me. You may say Satan's after you. Other people at churches in our community are Satan's after them, and he is. But it's not literally Satan. It's his army, Y'all with me? I just want to make sure we understand. Satan is not just a little bit less than God. He's just a created angel. He's nowhere near as powerful as God is. And so I don't want, him to get, I don't want us to give him too much power that he can't have. So when, it's kind of like this. When I think about uh, the attacks of Satan, we might say we're fighting against Satan. Well, we're fighting against his army and his philosophies. Similar to World War II, whenever uh, we were fighting Hitler, right? Well, um, we weren't literally fighting Hitler face to face. We were fighting his army and his philosophy. And so it's kind of that, 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 that process. And so here we are as families, as, as children of God, we're fighting against this, against this powerful angel who's very clever and smart, knows the word of God probably better than we do, right? 
He has a spiritual army and his demons attack. And one of the MOs, Satan's MO is this. Right there. Okay, there it goes. Sorry. There it is. Satan's MO is this. Steal, kill, and destroy. Anywhere you see destruction, guess who's been there? The devil. That's what he loves to do. I like this. uh, John 10, 10. Jesus tells us this. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his aim, to destroy everything beautiful that God has created, specifically his most precious creation, and that is human beings. And so he wants to destroy, especially ones that belong to God. So now he can't separate us from God or his love, right? But he can inflict some pain on us and some, cause some harm. But ultimately, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. So you're probably wondering, well, Jeff, what was the guy doing walking around, taking all these youth out of, the, out of the service? Well, this is what it is. So the guy in the row is Bill Viedenhop. I appreciate him volunteering today, all three services. But uh, what he was, he was representing the Grim Reaper. That goes, you know, this picture started during the, the Dark Ages with the Black Death. And that's wherever this first came up was with this concept of a Grim Reaper. And it's a death angel, whatever it is, someone Satan sends to steal or take a soul. And so the Grim Reaper was coming through and grabbing students. And those students represent this. The 12 students that take their own lives every day. Every day in this nation, 12 students take their life. Sad statistic. But on top of that, 2,400 will attempt suicide. So for every one student that will succeed in taking their life today, 200 will attempt it. And doesn't that blow your mind? I saw some statistics that as many as 5,000 students on any given day will attempt or seriously think or actually lay out plans for suicide. 5,000 in a day. Fortunately, only 12 succeed, which that's 12 too many if you're with me. Suicide's a terrible thing. There's a number of risk factors that come into play. Uh, These are just some of the main ones. If you do the research, that's what they come up with. Recent loss. And so sometimes it has to do with loss of a loved one, family member, or a bad relationship or a broken relationship. There's also being bullied. Man, being bullied is one thing. And that's, we grew up, we had bullies in our age too, right? When we were young. But the bullies today also are on social media. And I'll be honest with you, I cannot believe the things that people or kids say about other kids on social media. It is awful. It's terrible. And so... Being bullied is another one. I've heard, we've all heard stories of, of, of people, young people who were just tired of being bullied and gave up and ended their life. Um, also, depression and mental struggles. And um, everywhere you look, all the news outlets report this, even ones that I don't necessarily like report this. The fact is that there is a mental health crisis among our young people today, specifically girls now. It's always, uh, always been both, but specifically girls these days are having a mental health crisis. Depression is at record levels among students. And then on top of that, um, there's our students who struggle with bipolar disorder and other disorders like that. And so I, it's no wonder with all of the, uh, the, shuff, the stuff being shoved at them, all the philosophies from this world, these, I'll call them ungodly philosophies, contrary to scripture that are being shoved down their throat. It's no wonder students have no sense of identity, no sense of purpose, because we've devalued life. Finally, there's uh, non-suicidal self-injury, and this has to do with students who cut themselves. Maybe you've heard about this. 
They have a lot of pain on the inside, right? They have a lot of pain in their heart, emotional pain. They don't know how to deal with it. And so in order to take that pain away, they inflict, inflict pain upon themselves and they'll cut themselves. And sometimes it's where you can't see it. And so they're prime candidates for suicide. So let me just stop right here and say this, right? If anybody is having thoughts of suicide, don't do it. God loves you very much and life is worth it. I heard a quote this week I thought was really good. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. God loves you very much. Your family loves you very much. And this doesn't matter the age, all right? This doesn't matter the age. You could be a, a seasoned citizen in this room today and still having thoughts of suicide. Let me tell you, God loves you. Your family loves you. This church family loves you. And I just want to speak life over you today. I'm going to speak life and grace and peace over you today. And we want you to stick around. The other thing is this. So not only are 12 students commit suicide every day, 12 students are victims of homicide every day. <laughs> this is an all-out war on young people, right? Check this out. 1,400 are treated in emergency departments from non-fatal assault-related injuries. Every day, roughly 1,400 students end up at the hospital because of violence that's committed against them. We see the school shootings, gang shootings, right? Sweet 16 birthday party shootings. I mean, our children, this generation is under assault. The enemy is coming after this generation. You know what makes me mad? Makes me want to do something like this right here. <laughs> it's from the movie Commando from a few years ago. When I was a young boy, some of you were like, yeah, it's a good movie. Anyway, he, somebody in the movie, someone takes his daughter and he goes after him and he unleashes everything on them. It makes me want to do the same thing, right? The thing is, is, it's not a physical enemy where we can put on weapons and all those things. It's an invisible enemy. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We can't see this enemy. We know he's there. We know how he acts. We know what he does. His desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. We have to get in the game. It's time for us to get in the fight and do battle if we haven't been already. So what are we going to do? The first thing we need to do, or the second thing we need to do after we understand the enemy is we need to know our weapons. There's a lot of weapons or uh, defending uh, items for defense in our list today. We're specifically going to look at the Word of God. And so we need to know our weapons. Verse 17 says, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, if we want to be good with our weapon, we have to train with it. I think about uh, uh, Paul looking at a Roman soldier as he's writing this, looking it up and down and seeing his soldier and his, uh, seeing the soldier with a sword in his sheath and probably how much training that soldier would have went through. The Roman soldiers, best trained military of the world at that day. Day after day, they would train with those swords to know exactly how to, how to slice, cut, defend, and kill. They were killing machines. Our military and militaries around the world, specifically the military, the Israeli military, some of the best trained soldiers in the world. And they train with their weapons nearly every day. Why? So that they could be efficient, proficient, effective with those weapons. Well, if we want to be effective, we need to train well, ourselves with our weapon as well. And so let's talk just about a few ways that we can become skillful with the Word of God. First of those is to hear the Word, right? Come to church. Hear the Word of God proclaimed. And so I'm glad that you all are here this morning. I'm glad that you've came and chosen to come and worship. It's an awesome privilege that we have to be together in the name of Jesus and give praise to him. And I'm glad for that. Maybe you were here last week. 
if you were here, I guess, I'm, I guess people usually go to the same service, right? So you all would have been here for the 1050 service last week. Folks, it was awesome. If you weren't here, get the video. But last week was awesome, right? The Spirit of God was on Roger, and he was talking and preaching. He couldn't even barely talk, but man, he was just getting wound up. And some of you were like, amen, praise the Lord, tell the truth. I'm like, you're winding him up, man. He's getting fired up. I thought he was going to be here till 2 o'clock. I'm going to be honest with you. I really did. I sat in the 8 o'clock. It was good. It was good service. But the 11, 1050, it was like, man, he was, he was just letting it all go right there. The Spirit of God came on him and empowered him to deliver a powerful word for us. It was awesome. Praise the Lord for that. Well, I'll say this. Typically, we forget about 90% of the stuff we hear. All right? It just it is what it is. We remember about 10%. This week, I... Uh, overheard some people talking, and uh, they, they were talking about Sunday. I didn't hear exactly what happened, but one of them says, well, I forgot what he preached about. What did he preach about Sunday? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going on all week long about how great this service was, and she's like, I don't even remember what he said. That's what happens, right? We forget. So not only do we need to hear the word, we need to read the word. We need to be studying the word, uh, reading the word of God. Um, I love the story of Rosaria, Rosaria, maybe it's how it's pronounced, Butterfield, right? Um, she is a self-proclaimed lesbian, feminist, activist, professor. All right, that's, how she, that's what she called herself. And this is several years ago now. But she decided she was going to write a book about uh, defending against Christianity or how to attack Christians. I don't remember the exact name of the title of the book. But, you know, she wanted to be able to stand her ground. And so what she does is she uh, prepares. She feels like she needs to read the Bible. And then she meets a pastor in the local area. And by the way, he's a man, uh, he loved the Lord. He did a fantastic job. But ultimately, in this process, she read the Word of God cover to cover seven times. Right? Seven times in a short span of time. Well, you probably all know what happened, right? Her life was changed. She came to Jesus, repented of sins. God changed her life. Why? Because the Word of God is powerful. It's alive and it's active. And so we just need to sit and read the Word of God. I encourage you. What I like to do is I, when I'm just sitting to read, I'll read the New Living Translation. And I'll get the book out or the Bible out and I'll start reading. I, a year or two ago, I started the book of Genesis kind of starting over, starting the book of Genesis. And, and as you read, you read about the, the 12 sons of Jacob and, and all the things that they did and went through. And you're like, man, these people are awful. I mean, some of the stuff that they did, you read about them, you're like, these are God's chosen people. They're awful, right? So first off, you remember, well, we're all sinners, right? But then you're like, man, if God can use them, he can use anybody. I can just tell you that right now. But it was, it was fascinating to read the stories of God working even through broken people. And so read the Word of God. Let it take root in your life. Study the Word of God. I like to uh, uh, look at uh, Bible Gateway. Um, it, it, there is a subscription, $4 a month, right? Bible Gateway. It's on the internet. I guess you can get an app too. I have the app, but I, use, I just do it on my computer most of the time. But you can read the Bible, pretty much every translation you can think of. But if you have the subscription, you have access to all kinds of resources, commentaries, Bible maps, Greek lexicons, Hebrew lexicon, you name it, it's there. There's more, you have more access to stuff than most pastors have in their library. Matter of fact, that became my library. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I get the whole subscription thing. Like, we're being $8 to death, right? You got Netflix, all these things. But, so cancel Netflix and get Bible Gateway. You'll be better off in the long run. <laughs> Trust me on that one, right? Anyway, use the tools we have. Come to Bible study. Come to Sunday school. We have fantastic teachers. Come and learn and grow and study the Word of God. Next, we want to meditate on the Word of God. Bible says that. Psalm 119. 
or I'm sorry, says Psalm 102, on his law, he meditates it, Medi- meditates on it day and night. I'll get that out there. He meditates. And so what we do, what that means is you just read some scripture. And so maybe read some scripture in the morning and then all day long, think about that scripture and, and what it means and how God wants to make application in your life. There's one interpretation of scripture. There's only one true and correct interpretation of scripture, but there's many applications. And so God will apply that into your life. Also memorize the word. Memorize that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You want victory over sin? Memorize the word of God. And you're not too old to be memorizing stuff. I know it gets harder, but memorize the word of God. There's a lot of things that we remember. The word of God would be the primary one that we need to remember so that we can do this, and that's quote the word of God. We want to be able to quote the word of God. And I think about this in regards to life in general. Specifically, I have a teenage daughter, right? And I love her to death. I am super proud of her. She's in the service today. I've said this in other two services, but now she gets to hear it. Anyway, I am super proud of her. Um, she's going to work here with Robin uh, as missions, as a summer missionary. And so she has plans. She feels like God's called her to missions in some form or fashion. I think there's going to be some horses involved in that too. But anyway, so I'm proud of her. I love her to death. But she is a teenager. <laughs> And the one thing I've learned is all the things I'd heard about teenagers whenever I was younger, right? And, when I, and, and after my daughter was born, you know what? It's all true. <laughs> they literally know everything. Like, I, I'm like, surely not. No, they know everything. It's the truth, man. And so sometimes, right, sometimes when you have a teenager, I mean, she loves God, but she's a teenager, right? And then I'm a dad, and so guess what happens? She's like, well, you can't tell. Oh, Brad, I can tell you. You know what I'm saying? We start battling. And I'm bringing to mind Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So the more she yells, the more I yell, we are not getting anywhere. But the moment that we step in and say, honey, I love you. Maybe we need to take a step back. <laughs> Whatever, we diffuse the situation, we come back. Because we do love each other. We want the best for each other. And so memorizing the word of God, being able to quote the word of God, or bring it to memorance when you're in the battle is, a, is very effective. All right, so how do we fight this battle? So we know who the enemy is. We know one of the weapons. There are other weapons. The main weapon I would say that we have is prayer. Prayer. Um, the battle is fought and won with the word of God and prayer. You notice verse uh, 18 says, pray in the spirit. Pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? I've heard different preachers say different things, um, or similar things, I should say. One, I remember back in the day, he said, pray with your spiritual eyes open. Another one said, just be alert in your prayer time. And I've kind of come to learn, that's pretty close. Ultimately, the more time that we spend praying and talking to God, the more aware we become of his Holy Spirit in us and around us as we pray. And so what that looks like is as you begin to pray, sometimes you don't even know what to pray for. But the Spirit helps you and reminds you or gives you a prayer to pray. I started this a long time ago at, at, when I was a pastor of a church. I'm going to continue it now. Um, and I'm not telling you this to impress you, so don't hear, so just hear what I'm saying. As I try to every day, I don't, I'm not successful every day, but I try to every day take every student and pray for them by name, each student. I'm not telling you that to impress you. I think it's a basic job responsibility of a pastor to pray for the people that he's called to lead, all right? It's a basic job responsibility. But you would do this with your students as well. And so basically, I don't know what all these students are facing. I don't know all the terrible things that are happening in their life, or the good things for that fact of the matter. 
And so I grabbed the list and I mentioned the name and I allowed the Spirit of God to lead me in how I should pray for that student. And some days, God, give them wisdom. God, give them strength to overcome the temptation. God, deliver them from the enemy who wants to destroy them. God, give them peace. Give them strength. Help them to find their true identity in you, whatever the prayer is. And so God wants to do that with you. It's not that it's left or reserved for preachers. That is available for everyone who seeks him. God will pour out his spirit on you and lead you to pray for your family. And so I say, pray for your family. That's where the battle is fought, and I would say won. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna disciple them. So we're gonna bring these kind of two things together to disciple them. Parents, dads, it's our responsibility to make sure that our children are being discipled. It's God-given responsibility. And you can, start, you can start by bringing them to church. That's a great start. I'm glad you're here this morning. There are a lot of opportunities at this church. Uh, we have uh, youth on Wednesday nights where the students come, and we have a youth band um, that plays worship music, and you're gonna be, they're going to be playing here probably in July. They're, the youth are going to be leading the worship some point in July. The youth band that we have down there, they're fantastic. And then we have cool lights, and this week we're doing this neon night party, and we're going to have black lights out, we're going to play games, we're going to have worship. It's going to be really cool. We're doing a lot of fun things, right? And so bring your young people to that. we got Awanas, it's finishing up, but there's still going to be kids stuff. Robin does fantastic with that. And so yes, bring your children to church, but ultimately, it's your responsibility to make sure they're discipled. And so also too, and I would say when it comes to bringing them to church, make church a priority, right? Just decide today, from now on, we're going to church. So that on Sunday morning, when you wake up, it's not a, well, are we going to church today? I don't know. Nope. The decision's already been made. So that your children see if it's a priority to you, it will be a priority to them. Next, we're going to read the Bible with them. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but I do want to share a statistic with you I found this week. Um, only 3% of Generation Z um, read the Bible. So Generation Z would be the, age, the group that we're talking about is roughly 10 years old to age 24. So I'm Gen X, and then you have Millennials, and then you have Generation Z, I think. There might be a Generation Y in there. I don't know. They got lost. It's lost in the shuffle. But Generation Z, right? That's the ones that we're talking about now. Only 3% of them. So I think they said there's 74 million of them, right? Only 3% of them read the Bible. No wonder the enemy is gaining territory. And I would say some of that is because of parents, that we didn't teach our children to read the Bible. And so I say read the Bible with them at dinner time as often as you can. And I know you guys are busy. I had one daughter. I see people coming in with five, 10, 20 kids, something like that. They just keep coming in. I'm like, wow. I'm not sure they all belong to the same person, but I get it, man. You are, your life has got to be crazy. But as often as you can, sit down and have dinner together. Maybe read a Bible verse and then pray with them. And I would say this, when it comes to praying with them, at night, maybe it's bedtime, especially for the little ones, but even for the teenagers, right? Maybe especially with the teenagers. <laughs> Go in their room, and as they say their night-night prayers, you pray as well, especially dads. I'm gonna challenge you on this one. Pray with your students. You say, Jeff, I don't know what to pray. Man, whatever. There's, I would say there's no wrong way to pray. Yeah, there's better ways to pray, but there's no wrong way to pray. And so I would, if nothing else, to say, dear God, bless my child. Thank you for them. Protect them. And help them to love you all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. But let them see you pray. And it will instill in them 
your faith, they will see your faith and their, your faith will become their faith. They will grow in their prayer life as well. Well, as I said, this generation is under attack. Um, we got suicide and, 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 and homicide and, and in all of the uh, crazy philosophies that are being shoved down their throats at schools and places around. I'm not saying every school is bad, but you understand uh, on, on the social media that they're seeing, the devil is coming in like a flood. I'll just say it that way. And I think he's trying to destroy this generation. And the one reason I think that he's trying to destroy this generation is because I think, nobody told me this, I'm not a prophet, but I am convinced this generation could be be the very generation that reaches the nations with the gospel. You follow me? So Satan's got to destroy this generation, and so he's coming in like a flood. Well, this past week, I was getting ready for this, serve, this uh, today, and I kind of knew what I was preaching on. I was nervous about it. You, you talked to Roger. I came, Roger, I don't know, man. The Grim Reaper and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, because uh, he's done it before. Anyway, or he's done these kind of things before. But anyway, Tuesday morning, I'm sitting there, and I'm really wrestling with this stuff, and I see this verse, morning devotional, I read the uh, devotional by Greg Laurie, and he's, he's my second or third favorite, obviously Roger's my favorite preacher, but he's my second or third favorite preacher. Um, anyway, uh, in, the, in the, the verse for that day was this verse, Isaiah 59, 19. I read this verse, and I started shouting. I almost jumped up, but I was too, I'm too old. I couldn't jump up. I'd fall over, break a hip or something. But I, I was excited. I started shouting. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I'm going to show you what this verse says. When the enemy comes in like a raging flood, the spirit of the Lord will drive him back. I got excited because right now the enemy is coming in like the flood. You know what's going to happen? The spirit of the Lord is going to drive him back and we're going to see revival among our young people. We're already seeing revival among our young people, right? The, the 30, 40 colleges, campuses, revival is taking place right now as we speak. I know there's going to be even more in the fall. God is pouring out his spirit on this generation and he's going to drive the enemy back. We know that some of the darkest periods of our nations is when we had some of the greatest revivals take place. I believe that's what's happening now. And so I saw this, I said, praise God. He's gonna drive the enemy back and we're gonna rescue young people and they're gonna get saved, repent of sins, and they're gonna carry the gospel to the nations. It's good news, it's good news. Reason to rejoice because if God is for us, who could be against us? All right, I'll finish with this. So, um, uh, John 10, 10, the first part is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants to give life. Jesus came to give life. And so he wants you to have life. That's why I said I want to speak life over you. I want you to experience true, real, genuine life that you can find in no other place than Jesus. I want you to experience that. I told this youth this the other night, shared with them this example. And uh, a couple of years ago, I had this opportunity uh, to uh, talk with someone about Jesus. This guy at work, he came to me and said, Jeff, um, my dad's dying. Will you come talk to him? He knew as a pastor, preacher. And so I said, sure, I'll go talk to him. I went to the, and he told me a little bit about his dad. His dad was kind of a big, burly guy, but he was mean. He's kind of just a mean guy. Kind of the older he got, the more bitter he got, you know what I'm saying? And we all probably kind of get an example here of just who he was. I think he served Terry, and so who knows what kind of 
stuff happened while he was maybe in Vietnam or who knows where he was at. I don't know all the details. But he was just a hard, bitter man. So I get to the place where he's at. I think it might have been a hospital or a nursing home of some facility. And I get there and I walk in and here's this frail, broken down old man. His face is all sunk in. He hadn't eaten for days. Hospice is there. They think, you know, he's hours from death, right? And so I literally see this old, frail, broken man, face sunken in, eyes kind of bulging out a little bit. But the thing I see in his face is absolute terror. I can see it in his eyes. Never seen it like this before, but I've seen it at that moment. He was scared to death, literally. And so I came in, and I got to share with him the life-giving news. And I got to tell him about Jesus and how the, the fact is we're all sinners separated from God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And I got to share with him this gift of eternal life that comes through trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. That Jesus gave his life to pay for our sins and if we believe in him and confess our faith in him, the Bible says we will be saved. I said, do you you want to be saved? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? He said, yeah. I said, all right, let's pray. So we bowed our heads, we closed our eyes. I said, dear Lord Jesus. He says, dear Lord Jesus. I said, I know I'm a sinner. He says, I know I'm a sinner. And I said, please save me. I give my life to you. He didn't say anything. I had my eyes closed. I looked down. Finally, I opened one eye. I was like, what's going on? Like, he just, it just got deathly quiet. I'm like, did he die? I mean, literally, that's what I'm thinking happened. I'm in the middle of trying to save this man, and he just dies. I opened my eyes, and he's looking straight at me. And I'm like, what's going on? And then it dawns on me. He's seriously considering whether or not he wants to pray and ask Jesus to save him. He's seriously second-guessing whether or not he wants to make this decision to give his heart and life to Jesus. And so I just kind of look at him. I look over at his daughter-in-law who's on the side of the bed. She says, now, Pops, and he says, I know. Literally, that's how he says, I know. And so even in that moment, he was hanging on to that bitterness and that resentment, not sure that he wanted to profess faith in Jesus. I didn't know what to do. I was like, let's start over. That's what I said. Let's try this again. I said, dear Lord Jesus. He said, dear Lord Jesus. I said, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Please save me. I give my life to you. Please save me. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We prayed that simple little prayer, and I said, because of your faith in Jesus, the moment you leave this earth, you'll be in heaven forever. Your sins have all been forgiven, and now you have received God's gift of eternal life because of your faith in Jesus. Well, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go and let the family be here. He's going to die within a few hours. You know, that's what everybody was saying. So I pray with him, pray with the family, and then I leave. That was on a Sunday evening. So Tuesday, I'm at work, and here comes a guy back to work on Tuesday. I'm like, what are you doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking his dad is either dead or, you know, or still on deathbed, which, again, why would you be here if either one of those were true? He says, Jeff, you won't believe it. After you left, that all of a sudden, Dad, he said a short time later, Dad sat up in bed. He started eating food, drinking fluids. It was amazing. We were telling stories. We were laughing. It was amazing. I said, it was the Lord. <laughs> Amen? It was the Lord. I said, he got life. 
In that moment, he finally was forgiven of all of that trash, all of that chains and bondage of whatever it was, regret, bitterness. Maybe he did some really terrible things. I don't know. But in that moment, Jesus had removed all the sin and the shame and the guilt and all the bitterness, and it was all gone. And he is more alive. He was in that moment, he experienced full life. Full life is not possessions. Full life is joy and peace. Full life is knowing Jesus. He got to experience it. He lived for like another month or two. He still had health problems. But those were the best days of his life because he gave his heart and life to Jesus. He experienced life. I want everyone in this room to experience that life. I want every, everyone in this room to know Jesus and the life, the full life that he wants to give you today. The Bible says we have to admit we're sinners. We've all sinned, broken his laws. We're separated from God forever. But if we will trust Jesus today, we can receive his gift of eternal life. If you've never done that before, I have the privilege of telling you and offering you this gift. I hope that you will pray and receive this gift today. I was thinking one of the ways we could end this is I figure how about we all bow our head and close our eyes. And I must say, the prayer that I prayed with that man that day. And I say, we all just say it together. It's not going to hurt us all to say it. I think we've all done this before. Let's just all say it out loud. And maybe this may be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer. This is your opportunity to give your heart and life to Jesus. And to let you know we're all in this together. So let's just pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please save me. I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, I want you to come and tell me about that decision. I would love for to come and, and celebrate with you life, real life. And everybody in this room would love to celebrate with you real life that comes from Jesus. And so if you've never prayed that prayer before, and today was the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, come forward. Now maybe you got some chains and some other stuff kind of lingering on, come. Let's pray, I'll pray with you, Roger will pray with you, Bob will pray with you. And you can get some freedom here today.